0: And welcome back to another edition of what I like to call From Nonsense to God Sense, as we take a look at some of the things that go on in this world and we take a look at them through a biblical perspective. And joining me is Dan Delzell. He is the author at the Christian Post and pastor at a church in Nebraska. And Dan, we've got some, uh, some crazy times that we've been talking about here the past few weeks from COVID-19. And, and then we took that through Easter and we started talking about some topics about Easter and related to the Easter and the religious holidays and what came after that. And, and then we get into now what has become a, a race issue, which is yeah. uh, that of the, the riots, the protests all stemming from, you know, the death of George uh, Floyd and custody for the police in Minneapolis. And, and from that, there's been a lot of things flying, So, for example, some of the things I've been flying have been all these kind of uh, things like Black Lives Matter. And then that's counted with All Lives Matter. And then, of course, fans or supporters of the police, Police Lives Matter. So then we get All These Lives Matter. And then I saw something that was kind of interesting that uh, someone posted on social media. And it just said, Jesus saved all lives. And I thought that was kind of interesting that someone would put that up there yeah. because, um, in essence, you know that's true. You know, Jesus did die on the cross to save us from our sins, and it was for everybody. The invitation is for yeah. everybody; there is no exclusion. And so I thought maybe yeah. we could just touch on that a little bit about, uh, you know, the biblical perspective of you know lives mattering, especially right. when it comes to you know Jesus dying on the cross.
1: Yeah, you know, son, that's such a uh, a terrific topic, uh, especially. Uh, you know, for those of us who know the Lord and and know from Scripture that we've all been created in the image of God, the Bible makes that very clear. And so, you know, from the Christian perspective, you know, there really isn't color—at least there shouldn't be. You know, as we look at people, uh, you know, the Bible not only says don't show favoritism, but but it also uh, commands us to to love one another. And how can we be loving someone? if we are looking down on them, uh, you know, because of their race. So, um, yes, every life, uh, matters to the Lord. Um, I, I, I think most people would agree. I would think that, um, there is a real problem still in America with, uh, the way that, um, many, uh, many in the black community are treated, whether it be by, you know, certain police officers or by others, uh, you know, in our society who are, are racist and prejudiced. So that's a very real, serious issue. Um, the tragic, uh, evil murder of George Floyd uh, was was something that obviously lit, lit lit a fuse. And it's not the first time, son. We've seen riots and so forth, uh, but this one um, seems to uh, have really ignited uh, something nationally. We've even heard of you know international protests and, and so forth as a result of this. Something, you know, happened and, you know, I don't know how, if at all this this relates to the whole coronavirus pandemic. I don't know if people being cooped up and locked down, if in any way that kind of made it even more of like a tinderbox, people just ready to explode. But I was talking to my daughter today and, and we were both kind of just, you know, observing how uh, you know, isn't it something how, I mean, everything was talking about the coronavirus, and all of a sudden, that kind of shut off once this hit, because this is now, you know, the the, the huge focus of attention, but yeah, it just it, it spiraled, obviously, out of control, and, um, you know, the Bible reminds us that, um, you know, if we would follow uh, God's plan for treating human beings with dignity and respect, realizing that we're all made in God's image, Um, Well, I guess that would be more like heaven, you know, on earth. And unfortunately, we don't have that. Uh, Many times it's more like hell on earth, especially when when people uh, give in to racist or prejudiced attitudes. And then, of course, you know, what this police officer did uh, while other other officers right there with him, you know, seem to participate in it. Um, it, It's just, you know, beyond the pale. We just can't even fathom, um, you know, what would have led him to torture this man this way, leading to his death minute after minute after minute with his knee on his neck you know something like seven to nine minutes as he's saying I can't breathe uh you know just just terrible what what happened so yeah there's so many angles to this um you know it almost makes us wonder you know I know the Bible says we're made in God's image but you know uh, we're sure seeing a lot of examples of people who aren't acting very godlike. And that that's for sure
0: Yeah, I think one area, Dan, that it really affects is, uh, or where it comes from, is the heart. You know, I'm sure that uh, a lot of people out there are looking at things from, from a perspective of politics, or maybe a perspective of logic and reason, or maybe a perspective of their own experiences. But really, when it comes right down to it, when we're treating other people, and we're dealing with other people, what's on our heart is going to come out. So if we have hatred towards some somebody else, or just hatred in general on our heart, that's going to come out towards yeah. other people. If we yeah. have love for people, that's going to come out. And so it really comes right. down to a matter of the heart as well, I would imagine.
1: Well, definitely. And then, you know, in First John, I mean, we're told if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. So we, we know that um, if the love of God is in a person's heart, then that is going to be shown in the way that other people are treated and especially uh, people of other races, because, uh, you know, let's face it, I think probably human nature is such that it it probably is more challenging um, for some people, um, maybe many people to, to love other races as much as they love their own race. I don't know why that is. It really shouldn't be that way. I would, I would probably attribute that just to the fact that we are all sinful and, um, you know, you know in, in heaven, we certainly won't um, have that problem. Uh, but here on earth, man, and I'm just saying collectively, man seems to have that problem. And, and if he gives into that, that idea that somehow his race is superior, um, boy, he can begin to spiral uh, down in a very bad way. You know, I wrote an article a, song a few years ago entitled, "Christ Supremacy Conquers White Supremacy. And, you know, this is the beautiful thing about the gospel is, is, and this goes to the heart of your question, literally, no pun intended, but it goes to the heart of man. It changes man's heart. And, you know, if there's one thing uh, that, that this whole uh, situation um, shows us is that we need a new heart. Yes, we need revival in our nation, but that begins when individuals get a new heart. And, um, you know, to see the way that many are responding now to the evil murder of George Floyd, um, boy, it's not a very good uh, testimony uh, for those who are just willfully engaging in looting, rioting, uh, inflicting damage upon, uh, you know, others and their property, hurting other people, um, stealing, you know, uh, God's word is very clear, thou shalt not steal. Uh, thou shalt not murder. I mean, you know, seems like every commandment right now is is just being you know set aside as as folks are just feeding their their sinful desires. And, and yet, in the midst of this, we as Christians are called to um, to offer uh, hope, to offer God's love and His message of forgiveness, and and to really let people know that that a new heart is available. You know, if you find yourself having racist tendencies, if you find yourself wanting to take something that's not yours, if you find yourself wanting to hurt someone else, you know, um, God can change your heart. Uh, kind of like that, that song that you know, has been around in Christian churches for many years, you know, change my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you. And so just a simple prayer to the Lord, Lord, please change my heart. There, there's power in the Lord to do exactly that.
0: Yeah, I'm also reminded of the song, you know, or maybe it's the verse that was created into a song, you know, creating me a, a new spirit, creating me a new heart, cleans me, uh, cleanse me and make me new. Yeah. And um, yeah. and, and that's the thing I think that we are looking at is we're looking at, again, it goes back to, I think, some of the things that we talked about during COVID. And, I, and, I, yeah. and now that it comes to me, it's, it's creating me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Um, and that's the, the song and the verse that I was thinking of. I kind of butchered it there earlier, but oh well. Um, and so anyways, um, but we've been talking about taking COVID and taking the downtime yeah. and the lock-in time and making it a time to reflect on God, reflect on our spiritual yeah. walk, reflect on our Christianity, yeah. reflect on who we are. And I think now yeah. that's another time. I think that what we're seeing is we're seeing a manifestation of people coming out and really wearing their emotions, their hearts, whatever it is, on their sleeve because of a single event, like you said, that ignited this uh, tinderbox. But what yeah. we're seeing is the emotion on the sleeve isn't really Christ-like, and not to judge people, but it is. Yeah. It's is—it's—it's it's of anger. It's of revenge. It's of hatred. And it, and it's towards yeah. things like a, a grocery store or a, a little mom-and-pop yeah. shop in the community. You know, it's, it's against your neighbor, you know? And, you know, if we loved our neighbor as ourselves, we would not be conducting ourselves and taking our anger out against our neighbors yeah. and, and destroying their lives and making matters worse and then justifying it with, Oh, I was uh-huh. upset about an event that happened in Minnesota. And so therefore I'm going to uh-huh. pummel my neighbor's, you know, grocery store, or I'm going to take right. down this, you know, community center. Or I'm going to burn down this building and it's okay. And I find that really heartbreaking to see people with that mentality of being like, it's okay. The destructive nature of my behavior. Uh-huh. And they just kind of sit there and just kind of, you know, excuse their behavior.
1: Well, yes. Uh, You know, a woman in our church uh, mentioned to me, I was talking to her today, Son, and she just wondered, you know, when when we watched this looting, for example, on television, she just wondered about, you know, what sort of, of, you know, parenting or lack of parenting would go on in a home where, you know, you could have somebody who just doesn't even flinch when they have an opportunity to go and take, you know, something that doesn't belong to them. And, And again, I mean, she wasn't trying to be critical of parents, but just simply to say, um, you know, this is the byproduct of, of what uh, many people did not receive in their family. Um, it's, it's the byproduct of what many people did not receive in their education. You know, there's been a lot of talk in recent years about, um, some real hardcore ideologies at the, in the universities and, and, and even, you know, in the, in the high schools and so forth and people pushing that in different, uh, realms. I mean, not only in, uh, academia, but also in, um, the entertainment world and in the media. And and what really just um, shocked me here earlier today, son, I saw a, a report uh, that said that it might have been fifty four percent, but over fifty percent of college educated young people um, feel that these riots are an acceptable way to respond to what has happened. Now, now that is so alarming, but it's also so revealing. Uh, about what sort of education have these young people who would say that have they received in their home and in their schools and from their educators and sometimes from just radical uh, even even Marxist uh, type educators who truly believe that that this sort of thing is acceptable and and that for example America should be overthrown uh, and replaced with some sort of you know socialist, uh, uh, you know, utopia they would hope for. It. That won't ever happen. It doesn't, it doesn't produce that. Um, but, uh, but, you know, this is, I think, there's something underneath this, and it, and it transcends race, um, you know. So I, th- I think you've got some protesters who are driven by more of that, that Marxist uh, brainwashing that they've received, uh, sometimes even in the universities, and that tell them that you know, in a situation like this, because of the oppression uh, and so on and so forth, as it's as it's uh, explained, that you know, this sort of uprising is acceptable. But but that is just so alarming uh, when you think about uh, the 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 root of that. Um, you know, I think about what Jesus said in the Beatitudes: "Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God." Well, we've had some politicians, you know, and some very high office politicians in recent years who uh, seem to have grown up uh, on Marxist ideology, and they seem to promote it. And we've got different people in city positions and state positions um, who who seem, um, you know, to to buy into that. I mean, my goodness, the the mayor of New York City, de Blasio, I mean, he he seems like, um, well— you know, again, not, not to be critical of, 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 his daughter. I, you know, he has a, an African-American daughter, I believe or a mixed daughter. I his wife might be African-American and then doesn't really that's either here or there. That just simply is to point out that, you know, in his own family, you know, I mean, there's, there, there's more than, than, you know, just one race, but, but the real point I'm making is this. She was arrested for protesting. Um, and you know, as I think about that, there was a mugshot of her, um, you know, that seems like that would fit more of what his ideology would be rather than, for example, doing what, uh, you know, I, I think a just a person with more common sense would do, which is to deploy, uh, you know, the National Guard so that, you know, these stores like Macy's don't just get overtaken, you know, by by, by hoodlums, you know, both black and white and any color. You know, it doesn't I mean you, you had all sorts of hoodlums, obviously, going in there. Um that sort of behavior transcends race. It's not about, you know, one race. Uh, I saw a picture of a $350,000 Rolls Royce that was pulled up to a, a store in, in New York where they were, you know, just bringing stuff out, you know, to their, to their Rolls Royce. Um, you know, I heard about, you know, maybe uh, one store that had $2 million worth of uh, Rolex watches taken. But, you know, people, people are going to steal if they have that opportunity. But but it, it goes back to what are children being taught in the home? And when we see what our schools and, and educational systems are are feeding a lot of our kids, that would explain why maybe over 50% of college young people would say these riots are okay. Now, Son, if we had seen this survey, say, back in the 60s, I mean, I can't imagine that the number would have been anywhere near that high. Um, but but times have been changing. The ideologies have been, um, you know, have been introduced, and I think in some ways these riots are are the fruit of what some of these very influential politicians in recent years and current politicians really what they want to see done. In fact, I, I saw one person. Uh, who was trying to spin this and, and they, and they referred to the looting as a symbolic taking, you know, to try to justify it, you know, symbolic taking that would seem to fit, you know, more of a, of a Marxist ideology or more of an ideology that says, you know, hey, we need to get rid of this, um, this current system. We need to overthrow this, this peaceful, um, democracy that we have because we know better. And so there's this spirit of rebellion that is loose in the land. Um, Obviously, not by all, thankfully, but by enough people of, 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 you know, various races that that we've just seen um, this this spin out of control. And and the last thing I'll say, I I heard today a little bit of a podcast uh, by Jason Briley. Uh, He's out of uh, London. They have a a neat ministry. They do anyway. He was interviewing a couple people who work closely with Robbie Zacharias, he was interviewing them like two days after robbie 's uh, passing here recently and and I was just thinking you know as they were talking about how gracious Robbie was with everybody, I mean, even down to just the people that he would interact with um, you know maybe at a restaurant, or he, they were talking about one one person who was doing some construction in their office I mean I won 't go into all the stories, but I mean Robbie lived this message of peace but but the thing that I think of right now as we 're talking is this fun. I never once, in all these years of Robbie, Robbie's ministry, I mean, I, I never thought of Robbie as like, even though he grew up in India, I never thought of him as like, well, an Indian Christian, um, you don't even think about race when, you, when you're flowing in the power of the Holy Spirit, so whether the person is black, white, brown, whatever, you're just trying to spread the love of Christ, and that's what Robbie did, and... Uh, you know, it, it had nothing to do with race. and I, I just It's kind of interesting that I, I didn't even think of him in terms of color. I thought of him in terms of his message. And, and boy, I tell you, son, we need the message of Christ in our world today more than ever because things are spinning out of control, but the problem didn't develop overnight. Um, you know, it goes back to what happened or didn't happen in the home, what happened in the schools or didn't happen, what ideology is being pushed and promoted. And, uh, you know, from there, people people act on their ideas. They act out their ideas, whether, whether it's a Christian idea, whether it's a Marxist idea, whatever the idea is. We all tend to do that. Our ideas form the basis then of how we decide to live.
0: Dan DelZell is with me. And, and Dan, we had a conversation just a little bit ago with a couple of guys. They're young black men here in L.A. And I asked them about their identity, so to speak, with race and a lot of people look upon someone as a race like you mentioned you don't look on Robbie Zacharias as a an indian christian right. he's just a christian right. or he's just a person yeah. and yeah. one one of the young uh the young gentleman told me he goes you know he doesn't look upon himself as a black man he just looks upon yeah. himself as a man and i thought right. about that and i'm like yeah i don't look at myself as a white guy i'm just a right. guy and so exactly. it's inter- it's interesting that you know when put in perspective when it comes from a the correct perspective, in my opinion, that you're looking yeah. upon somebody as a person as opposed to a labeled person. And I think yeah. that, you know, when it gets down to it, it goes back to that heart matter. But then, you know, it also talks about, you know, we're creating God's image. And I know that there could mm-hmm. be, you know, several uh, interpretations of that depending on whichever way you want to look at it. But in reality, when it comes down to it, you know, God created everybody and he created us in his image, but yet here on earth, we look vastly different, whether it's male, female, whether it's different races, whether it's size, right. height, you know, weight, right. you know, whatever it is, God created us differently and uniquely, but right. yet he also created us in his image. So when we talk about that, just for people out there that might have different perspectives on this creating God's image idea, mm-hmm. what, uh, what, what would it be like? What would being creating God's image when the Bible talks about that? What would that be like?
1: Well, I'll tell you, here's what I I think of, Son, as we consider Scripture on this. You know, um, in Genesis, you know, the Lord says, let us make man in our image. And, of course, the us would be um, referring to the Trinity. Uh, You know, God consists of three persons in one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so for God, who is three in one, to make man in his image, there are at least a couple things there that I think uh, come into play um, we then are created as three in one body, soul, and spirit. Uh, interestingly, um, I have a poster that I've often used body, soul, and spirit. And I know, um, that's one item here you know, I'm planning to bring when you and I do some, um, some ministry there uh, on the UNL campus here in Lincoln, uh, next week when you're in Nebraska. And, uh, you know, that poster is just one way to help, uh, you know, talk to people about spiritual matters. And in that case, the uh, you know uh, the three in one nature of man and then what it means that your spirit be uh, be born again through faith in Jesus etc but um, so that's the, a big thing son I think that we're created in God's image we are three in one uh, body soul and spirit uh, our soul is uh, is immortal um, and, and and to tie it in with everything else we're talking about today son your soul and I I mean this for everybody your soul has no color so so for the Christian. Um, that's why I, I think we, we, we tend to just not see people um, at all primarily for how you know how they how they look outwardly with their color. We tend to look at people as as made in God's image that their soul has no color. We all are one. Yes, there are these you know different colors that, among us and different races, but, but you know um, we're all equal. We're all uh, created by God. Um, so so that's the big thing. But then I think the other thing uh, to be created in God's image. Um, God has free will. And so when God created us, uh, he did not uh, create us uh, as puppets or as robots. You know, uh, an article that I wrote just posted yesterday on the Christian Post called uh, Why Didn't God Prevent COVID-19? And so you and I have talked about this on on why, um, you know, God could have made us as robots. He could have made the angels as robots. He could have programmed us so that it would be impossible for us um, to disobey him. And and if that had happened, then, you know, uh, there would have been no sin in the Garden of Eden by Adam and Eve. Uh, That Pandora's box would not have opened. It brought sin and death and disease and war and everything else into the world and the kind of murder, like what what these uh, officers did to George Floyd. It would not have brought looting uh, or all this other violence, like the uh, 77-year-old retired police officer in St. Louis who was Uh, killed within the last day or two, about 2.30 in the morning, trying to protect his friend's business when he was shot and killed by a looter. I mean, you know, this all came out of the Pandora's box. But, you know, why didn't God prevent COVID-13? Well, um, God hasn't prevented the wars. God hasn't prevented, you know, other pandemics and disease and cancer and even death because God gave man free will. When man chose to sin, that was let out. Um, And God could have prevented all of it. But he would not have had um, human beings who could choose to love him freely. Uh, he would have only had robots. And I would ask this, son: how many parents do you or I know who would rather have a baby robot than a baby human? So God had every right obviously uh to do whatever he wanted to do and and God chose uh to to make man with free will uh who would uh, who would then love him freely uh not not be forced to love him no one is forced to love God no one is forced to obey God I mean over 3000 years ago Joshua told the people of Israel you know choose this day whom you will serve but as for me and my household we will serve the Lord. So this is a choice. I mean, Ravi Zacharias made that choice. Um, Ravi Zacharias led many people to also make that choice Um, because they like Ravi, like you and I son, we have free will. So your question is an excellent one. What does it really mean when the Bible says that we've been created um, in the image of God? Well, I I, I think the two biggies really are uh, we are created body, soul and spirit three in one, just like God It's three in one. And we are given free will, and we're seeing the exercise of free will today, whether it be a group of people going out and praying on the streets as, as you know some have done in different areas, or whether it be people going out and looting, uh, whether it be people you know using uh, vulgar language or people trying to speak peacefully, uh, whether it be people stirring up trouble uh, the way that um, you know our sinful nature the devil and a Marxist ideology would would try to stir up you know we hear a lot about this antifa you know and, and this sort of just violent, um, just, just destructive, chaotic behavior, this is of the devil. This is not of the Lord. Um, you know, our nation is, is a nation that has been built uh, upon a strong foundation of law and order, and ultimately that law uh, is, is grounded upon God's law, uh, the ultimate lawgiver. But if we get away from law and order, you have chaos. Uh, you know, the Bible says God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. So one of the evidences that we've been created in the, in the image of God is that when we are not acting irrationally and sinfully, um, we want there to be order in our life and in our society and in our world. We want there to be peace. We don't want there to be disorder. You know, Satan is the author of disorder. He was the, um, he was the original rebel. Um, he was not satisfied with the order God had established in heaven. He got tired of God getting all the praise and the glory. Um, Satan's heart became proud on account of his beauty and he got out of order and his heart got out of order and he acted on that the way Adam and Eve did after, you know, the serpent tempted them. And anytime, son, you and I get out of order, um, either with our thoughts, our eyes, our speech, our attitudes, our behavior, anytime we're out of order, um, we're, we're giving Satan an opportunity to, to do his work here in the world rather than God. But when we allow the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus, and, and by doing those things that are pleasing to the Lord, when we allow him to control our thoughts, our attitudes, our, you know what we look at, what we say, how we talk, everything, um, then we're, we're, we're in a position for God to use us as people created in his image. So there's always this battle going on. And it's not just in the war. It's not just between rioters and police today. It's going on within every one of us, son, within every human being. Uh, And it's a daily battle. And uh, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us.
0: Yeah, Dan, the Bible talks about, you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, you know, things that we can't see. And we've talked about, Wanting to see the tangible, you know, one of the hardest things we have is believing that God exists because we take it on faith, much like the wind exists, and the only reason we have evidence is because it maybe rustles the leaves or we feel it, but we can't see it. Uh, God's a little bit more mysterious from that standpoint. We can't really see him or feel him, but yet we have him in our spirit, and so we know by faith he's there. But yet we're still wrestling on a supernatural level between right and wrong, between following God and Satan coming after us. And it only takes a spark, like the saying goes, it only takes a spark to get a fire going. And it only takes yeah. a little seed, whether it's the seed of uh, discontentment or whether it's the seed of anger or whether it's the seed yeah. of whatever, to get that fire raging in our heart where we want to yeah. lash out. And it takes yeah. it takes a lot of self-control. It takes prayer. It takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of restraint. Mm-hmm to come in and sort of put that fire out and replace it with another spark that maybe is going to plant a seed that's going to grow something beautiful like kindness and patience and understanding. And yet it's hard for people to do that when you're in that flash mob mentality especially in a day like today where we've been cooped up. We're out of school. We're not in class. We're out of jobs. uh, We're not working. And then we have something uh, horrendous happen like this and boom, all of a sudden we all want to hit the ground running. But yet it does take some self-control and some patience to realize, you know what, that God was Slow to speak, quick to listen. He was slow to anger. He was slow. A lot of times he gets confused with passive and with weak yeah. and with simple because he was slow to anger and he was slow to react in some areas. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and yet, when he yeah. was quick and when he was, you know, righteous in what his anger would be or what his speaking out against the evils of this world were, whether it be the Pharisees or the cool. people in the temple, you know, he did it appropriately. And with and with measured force, and 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 I think that's something we have to keep in mind: is that we can't just lash out at whatever it is that's bothering us, whether it be you know a spouse or a, a sibling or a, a you know a school teacher, you know whatever the situation may be, a neighbor. I mean, how many times do we have disputes over neighbors, and it doesn't matter what the race is; it's just the fact that we have a dispute over a neighbor, over maybe a fence line right. or something, or the ball goes through, you know, your kid's ball goes over the yard, and therefore that starts you know a, a neighborhood battle. But yet, it takes a yeah. little bit of restraint and control but it goes back to i think those those things that that satan just puts those little seeds in a heart and it goes unchecked and it grows and grows and it festers and it grows and grows and the next thing you know you have a big problem that now it's gone beyond the point of where a person can control it and now they're pursuing that whatever it is that they have been planted in their heart
1: yeah, you know, I think that's an excellent point, Son, and, and this, is, this seems to be how it often plays out, whether it be on an individual basis or more of a collective uh, thing like what we're seeing here all, all over the nation, and that is that, um, you know, I think Satan looks for that, that perfect opportunity to pounce whether it be upon uh, a marriage, a husband and wife, and an argument that just explodes, but it's something that Satan has been, you know, weaving for quite a while in, in one or both of their hearts, whether it be between maybe, um, you know, uh, classmates or co-workers or people in a church even, or whether it be people between in, in races, you know, um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, we had an incident here in Omaha in the last couple of days where there was a store owner uh, and his father who were um, confronted by some protesters and they have, you know, this on video uh, and then there were some words shared and then they kind of moved out onto the street and, you know, a little bit of pushing, you know, and so forth. Well, the father of the store owner, he had a gun and he ended up using the gun um, and ended up killing a, a young man, I think 22 years old, who was one of the protesters. But, um, you know, Satan looks for those perfect storms. I mean, um, I, I'm sure uh, just like that 77-year-old retired police officer in St. Louis who wanted to protect his friend's store, um, this incident in Omaha, th- th- this guy had his gun. He was ready to go. I'm not saying he shouldn't have had that. Or, I mean, he it doesn't even sound like he's going to be charged because it sounded like, or at least, you know, um, it, it sounds like they're they're looking at this as though it, it was justified. But my point is Satan is trying to, um, create situations um, where things will then explode, but he's patient. He he waits, and then when the right situation presents itself, he pounces. And, and I like what you said about a spark song, because, you know, for example, there's the Bible verse, in your anger do not sin, and do not give the devil a foothold, um, you know, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. So anger is a huge one. I mean, if, if a person's anger begins to get built up, whether it be toward looters, whether it be toward somebody of another race, whether it be toward the police, whether it be toward whatever, um, you know, they, they said that this, uh, you know, this officer um, in Minneapolis had like maybe 18 complaints, uh, you know, in the past. Uh, and and uh, there's also it's also been reported that, that he worked, the two of them worked together at a, at a club. Uh, So, I mean, who knows what sort of relationship, what sort of anger may have been there in his heart. And then, you know, um, he had this opportunity, I guess, as he saw it, with, um, you know, George Floyd handcuffed face down. And, I mean, Satan pounced. Uh, Now, again, he, you know, his officer chose to do that. But there's no doubt in my mind that Satan, he he knew the destructive, uh, the destruction he would bring, you know, not only in the death of George Floyd, which is tragic and terrible but, but Satan had much bigger plans for that. And, and so, you know, wh- whether it be, you know, years ago, the person who killed John Lennon and, and he said he heard a voice in his head telling him, do it, do it, do it. Or whether it be a police officer who maybe, you know, has somebody on the ground and something overtakes him. And, and maybe he's, uh, you know, I, I guess uh, someone from his, um, maybe his former job said that this police officer you know, tended to you know make some very bad decisions. He always was looking for you know a reason to maybe spray pepper spray. He worked security at this club, I guess, and he he would you know he would be using pepper spray and mace. You know, this she she felt like just at times when they weren't needed. Well, that would explain a lot about what happened when he killed George Floyd. Because if he's someone, and it sounds like he is, who had a short temper, who was very quick to try to hurt someone um, that he he didn't agree with. Um, boy, this was the opportunity that Satan was looking for. And I mean, wh- how else do you explain S- staying on somebody's neck for seven to nine minutes, um, even long after they're, they're unconscious? You know, um, how is that not premeditated murder? But but my point is, um, and, and he may be charged with that eventually, but uh, my, my point is that uh, to go with what you're saying, Son, Yes, I, there there are these supernatural beings that are are lurking behind the scenes, and who among us hasn't experienced that at a time where it's like you know we get upset or we we do something in the flesh, but then it just it just like is multiplied three or four or five times more than we would have ever dreamed it could have been, and and, and I really think in those situations that's the spark. If we give Satan that foothold, on I think it, it can, it can cause just so much destruction. And we are not, it's not just the problem of our own sin. That's enough of an enemy that we face. We are facing spiritual beings that have a way of multiplying the anger, the, uh, the greed, you know, whether it be looting, the, the anger, the lust, the whatever it is. And if we feed the sinful nature, Boy, that seems to open up a door for Satan to jump on it. And when we're being, in essence, ridden by a demon, you know, um, oh, man, it, it's a terrible place for us to be. But we're seeing that as people are going crazy on the street. Um, And much of that, you know, I think the demons are, are finding many opportunities to add to man's willful, sinful choices with his free will. You know, when, when you choose to do that, it goes back to the Garden of Eden. That's all Satan needs. All he needs is for man or woman to make a free will choice in the wrong direction and boom, that opens up a door, Satan pounces on it. And I mean, it brings death, destruction, misery, um, and on and on. So that that's, that's the battle that we're in. And, and thankfully we have Christ to forgive us and to help us, but we need him every hour uh, because this, this battle, uh, it's going on every day.
0: Dan Delzell with me. We're talking about uh, the current state of events here in the, the U.S. with the riots, the looting stemming from George Floyd being, I guess you could say murdered. Um, you know, yeah. I guess, I guess you have to be careful because it has to go through the legal system. So allegedly, um, but right. yeah, you know, I saw the tape It's just outraged, outraged by right. the, by the uh, actions of these officers. And, and one yeah. of the things I think, Dan, that um, might be, I don't want to say a, a cause of the problem, but I think the solution, people are looking to the wrong place for the solutions. They're looking to politics. They're looking to you know, ideology. They're looking to all these other places for the answers. And the answers aren't provided, okay? Of course, we have politicians that we need to run the country, run the state, run the cities. And we look to them, and we have a process. And we hope that they are people that are competent enough to lead us through trials like we're going through. Uh, that people look to different ideologies, You know, we've talked about it before, you know, just in, in daily life, when people are lacking something, maybe they're one day they're into yoga, and they're meditating, and then that doesn't fulfill them. And so the next day, they're into something else, you know, maybe it's, you know, Zumba dances, I don't know. And then maybe they're into something else, and they try all these different things. And when it comes to issues and problems, especially with things like what's going on in the country, we want to look to politicians. We place blame. We, we accept what this guy says, but not what this person says. And so we go through all these different things. And then we look, like you mentioned, your Marxism and and other ideologies out there. And the answers just aren't there. And so people keep looking and keep, I think, get frustrated with the fact that there are no answers when, in fact, all we have to do is turn to the Bible, turn to God. And because... If people start to look there for answers, I think we start to see solutions to the questions and to the frustrations that people are going through. And we start to see change because it, it, change isn't going to happen through the selfishness of all the things that we're doing right now. True change is going to come when we change the heart. And the only way we're going to do that is to get right with God. And then we're going to start loving each other, our neighbor as ourselves. And the only way we can find all these answers, I believe, is through the Bible. And with people looking in other areas, they're not going to get the answers that they want. It's going to keep fueling their frustration and keep fueling this search and keep feeling them, leaving them with a a feeling of being empty inside. And so I know for me, it's just, you know, it's easy to sit here and, and, you know, preach it. Hey, you know, this is it. And it's not it's not an easy uh, thing to do but it yeah. is something where if we were able to look to the bible more and not exclude yeah. it i mean the president not to get political but everybody criticized him for holding up a bible at a church right. and they just you know ravaged him for it well that should be the right. one place that we should be going for answers and the one yeah. place we yeah. should be going the church and yeah. the one place we should be going is to the christian community you know people of of belief because that's where we're going to find the answers and that's where we could typically or we should be able to find the true change starting with the church and with the bible
1: Yeah, you know, I love how you keep bringing it back today to the heart, um, and it fits with everything we're talking about today. I mean, you know, the fact that we were made in the image of God, if you think about, you know, three concentric circles, and the outer layer body, and then come in soul, and then come into that your spirit, so man's spirit is his inner being, and that, that part of man only comes alive. When you are born again, that part has to become alive through faith in Jesus. Uh, That's why Paul could write uh, to the Christians in Ephesus, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, you know, in the ways you used to live. Um, They weren't dead physically, they were dead spiritually. So your inner man has to come alive. And the Bible says if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. That's another way of saying if Christ is in you and you are then in Christ. Um, And this is the supernatural love then that God gives us. I mean, even then, uh, you know, in many ways, the battle really heats up because we still have to make the right choices or that supernatural love of Christ won't be flowing through us. So but at least it's there now. Uh, The power is there in Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit um, comes to dwell within us and upon us. Uh, And and so the soul uh, of man is where then um, this fruit of the spirit uh, is produced. And of the nine qualities, you know, the love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. But then the very last one, Son, is self-control. So to be under self-control means that self is not dictated. Uh, Whether it's you putting your knee on a, a suspect's neck whether it's you uh, throwing something into a window uh, so you can loot the place, uh, whether it's you using um, vulgarity or racist language or looking down on others in prejudice and hatred of others. Um, None of those things come from the Holy Spirit, but, but that's what self is capable of. That's the problem we have, son, all of us. Uh, And and so I quoted the Beatitudes earlier. The the point of the Beatitudes is not simply uh, so that we have a list of morals of how we are supposed to live. Oh, Jesus said we're supposed to be lawmakers. He's a good teacher. I mean, peacemakers, rather. He's a good teacher. And so I want to be a peacemaker. No, it goes much deeper than that. Um, The purpose of the law is to lead us to Christ to show us that we're law breakers, that we've not always been peacemakers. And and if, and if you can't find a time when you haven't been, well then line your life up to all the commandments. Did you ever dishonor your parents? Did you ever tell a lie? Did you ever take anything? Did you ever um, not love the Lord you God with all your heart, soul, and mind? Did you ever look upon someone lustfully? Uh, did, did, did you ever commit murder? Uh, it, maybe not physically, but in your heart. Have you ever said an unkind word? So if, if all of us are guilty, son, and the purpose of the law then is to drive us to the cross and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, because the only way a person can be born again and made a new creation is to recognize their own sinfulness. I mean, we all see the sin in others pretty well, but, but if I don't see my own sin, if I don't see that I'm at least as, as big of a sinner as, as others, then um, I, I don't have very good discernment there. And I might even go through my life and never be born again, saved justified and forgiven by bringing my sin to Christ. So you're hitting it on the head, son, about the need for a new heart. Um, uh, and, and, and so the, the, the philosophy, if you will, the ideology, the theology, the scripture basis of that um, is, is not, um, you know, like, for example, what Marxism and other things promotes, uh, or even just, uh, you know, humanism. Um, instead, Christianity is that um, you no longer will be uh, the sheriff in control of your life, you're going to hand that over to Jesus. If you're going to become his follower, you're going to confess your sins. But guess what? On the front end, he's going to give you the forgiveness of your sins. As you admit to him, you're a lawbreaker. As you admit to him, you haven't fulfilled the law anywhere close to it. And as you do that, as you accept his payment on the cross for your sin, you will be made a new creation. Uh, you won't be perfect. Um, but the Christ is always perfect. And so to the extent that now you, you make free will choices that are in line with Christ's will for you and the word of God, others are going to be blessed. Yeah. When, when you step to the side of that, um, well, uh, he won't, it won't bless anyone, but, but this is the growing process we're in as Christians, of course, but it does come back to the heart. It does come back to the supernatural spiritual battle that we're in against the spiritual forces of evil. Um, but you know, um, the, the, the greatest enemy we face, really, Son, is, is, is on the inside of it. It's not the devil. Uh, the greatest enemy we face are our own sinful desires, the basement room of our soul. And, and, and if we choose to go down to that basement and give in to anything sinful, whatever it might be, um, then we end up defeating ourselves. We end up um, making sin our master because the Bible says a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. And, and so those who are mastered by racism and prejudice – well, you know, um, how, how can you how can you be a servant of Christ if you're mastered by racism? How can you be a servant of Christ if you're mastered by by sin at all? And so the Bible says you you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. This is now the freedom that we have as Christians, and uh, it's all because of Christ, all because of His cross. But let, let's never confuse the Bible uh, as just some sort of book of moral teaching. Because those who approach it that way, um, they end up missing out on the transformation that comes with meeting Christ. And even more, they miss out on heaven. Because uh, morality will keep you out of jail, as Charles Spurgeon said, but only the blood of Jesus will keep you out of hell. So, um, you know, morality is not going to be enough uh it has to be Christ-based obedience then that will flow from your faith. But even then, that won't earn your way to heaven. That will just be an evidence that you're on the way to heaven. Uh, heaven is a gift. Salvation is free. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And, and so, you know, son, if we had a national prayer meeting uh, out in the streets rather than looting and everything, um, just think how, how the angels would be rejoicing and everybody would be much better off. But right now, there are a lot of people giving into their, uh, their sinful desires, as we all do, you know, it, you know really every day in, in ways. But um, it, always, it always brings bad, uh, bad consequences whenever we do that.
0: Dan DelZell with me. And Dan, one of the things, too. Is that it takes us to make the change. You know, if we're gonna start with ourselves, first we wanna change our heart, first we wanna change who we are. So if we turn to Christ and turn to God, that's the first step. And then from there, we can make the change that we wanna be just by then conducting ourselves in a manner. If we see something that, you know, we want changed, we need to make that change. It needs to start with us and not looking at other people pointing the finger because, yeah. you know, you know, obviously it's hard to use Jesus and as, as an example because he is God and he was perfect and he came and died on the cross and he did things that we could never do as far as taking the sins of the world upon himself. You know, he who right. knew no sin bore the sin of the world. And so for us, it's hard for us to be able to do that in our human nature. But what we can do is we can start with just the way we interact one by one, you know, instead of looking at uh, on a big level of how we're going to change yeah. this on a big level, what about yeah. just one by one? Go down to the local grocery store. How are we going yeah. to uh, uh, you know, interact with those people? Uh, you're walking you know, the streets with your neighbors. How are you going to interact with those people? What type of witness? Right. What type of example? How are you going to respond to things? It's the personal one-on-one. And I think that's where we can learn the lesson from Jesus is the way he interacted with people, not necessarily on the big level. But on the one-on-ones, yeah. the woman at the well, yeah. the lady that they came and brought that's who was right. uh, c- accused of adultery and they wanted to stone. You know, he dealt with these yeah. people one-on-one, you know, when he, heal- when he healed people. Um, it was the one-on-one. And I think that's a lesson that we can learn in this time is not to necessarily have to focus and concentrate on the big change of a nation, but how we right. personally going to change ourselves when we deal with the one-on-one of the people that we come yeah. across.
1: Yes, indeed, Son, and and, um, what you said uh, when you started those excellent comments you just made, you referred to, you know, um, judging others, Uh, and and I think that is key if we're going to minister to people one-on-one. You know, Romans 2, uh, beginning in verse 1, Paul writes, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. when we judge someone else on, we're looking down on them, we're, we're, we're basically saying, you know, their sin is worse than mine. Um, you know, I deserve God's grace. They don't. And, and we get it all wrong. We get it all twisted. And as, as God's word reminds us, um, we're actually condemning ourselves when we do that. We have to be very careful that we don't judge others. Now, that word and that idea is, is so often misunderstood, uh, especially here in America. You know, many people, you know, think that, you know, to call anything sinful that anybody does that now you're judging them. Well, no, Uh, the Bible judges doctrine and behavior. Um, God is the one who judges that. God is the one who determines what is right and wrong. Uh, For example, stealing is wrong. Um, Sexual immorality is wrong. Lying is wrong. Why do we know that? Because God says so in his word. Uh, God sets the absolute standard. The problem comes in when we look at someone and we say, well, you know, so and so is doing this and, and what a terrible person they are. And we put ourselves above them and we condemn them rather than, um, you know, looking for a way to pray for them and, and invite them to repent and believe the good news. So we have to be careful. Judging someone is not simply by, you know, you know, agreeing with the Bible that there are, there is sin, you know, there is such a thing as sin. And uh, here's a list. And, you know, you can give somebody 20 things that are sinful. Uh, that's not judging somebody. Well, somebody might say, well, you know, I do two of those things. How dare you? How, you're judging me. No, no, no. I, I don't look, I don't, I'm looking down on you at all. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sinful. I'm, I'm as sinful as you are, but uh, you know, so, and sometimes I think we have to be careful, um, that we don't just, you know, cherry pick, you know, one sin or the other, um, You know, this is why, especially in our culture today, you know, anytime anybody wants to, you know, raise the question of, you know, homosexual behavior, which, you know, the Bible identifies as sinful, I think it's wise to always keep that in the broader context. Of including you, to make sure you include fornication and adultery, which are far more prevalent than homosexual behavior. Far more people engage in no sin than in homosexual behavior, and and, and so I think um, especially Christians have to be very careful that we don't get get pulled into or or choose to just cherry pick a, you know a certain sin as so though somehow you know people who commit that sin you know are are bigger sinners or whatever um, you know and, and and so we have to be wise about it, but we can't compromise what God's word has to say. And, and, and this is why it's so troubling that, you know, the largest, uh, you know, Methodist denomination, the United Methodist Church, they were getting ready to have a, a conference in May up in Minneapolis. And uh, they, they, they're looking at, you know, whether they're going to try to change the, the laws that God has given on homosexuality the way that the largest Lutheran church body did, you know, uh, you know, back in, I think, 2009, the ELCA, their meeting was also in Minneapolis, and they they decided to do that. But, you know, that doesn't change the truth. Um, That doesn't change the truth at all. But when you've got churches that are uh, tampering with God's word, um, you know, it would be just as alarming if they did that with adultery or fornication. It just so happens that they pick out this one sin, because that, that, that tends to be, um, you know, something that's you know politically incorrect in our society to 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 see that still as sinful after thousands of years of being a sin. Um, but but my, my point would be, um, so if we're going to talk about that, we have to talk about it in the context, the much larger context of fornication, adultery, and homosexuality. You know, so maybe you know, let's say 98% of the sexual sinning going on in America, the sexual morality has to do with fornication or adultery. So let's say maybe 2% of the sinning has to go uh, do with homosexual behavior. Um, so who, you know, wh- which is a bigger sin? <laughs> you know, you're going to say it. Well, you, you might say the one that's being done more often. So, but they're all sinful. So it's not about, you know, what's bigger sin or this or that, but it's just sad when a society or even in this case, a church body uh says, you know what, uh, we, we don't want this pressure anymore. We, we don't like people thinking that, um, you know, we're, we're not like them. Um, we're going to try to change God's rules. Uh, that never works well. Um, and, and this is why uh, denominations that do that um, do it to their demise. Churches that do it do it to their demise. And, and, and it's what, you know, there was an article in the Christian Post by a, a Lutheran pastor here recently and he was talking about what's happened in that Lutheran denomination. Now it's really sad. I mean, they had a youth gathering uh, here in recent years where a speaker stood up and, and, and basically just, um, you know, had the 31,000 youth. I think it was recite uh, a statement of just, you know, really celebrating, you know, what it means to be queer. And, and that's something we need to celebrate. Well, well, this is what happens. I mean, you can't, can't, you can't dabble with sin, whether it be fornication, adultery, or homosexual behavior. You can't rewrite the rules without eventually celebrating it. You know, and I don't hear anybody today celebrating adultery. Um, you know, some might celebrate fornication, but you have a whole lot celebrating homosexual behavior. And that's really kind of bizarre that that would be happening uh, when, when that's not a bigger sin than the others. But that's what people have latched on to. And, and so we just, we, we have to go with God's word. We can't go with what the culture says is right or wrong, because if we do that, son, we're going to end up in hell. Be- because, um, you know, uh, you know, that is not going to save anybody telling them that, well, you can just give in to these desires, whatever they might be. Go ahead, live as an adulterer, live as a fornicator, live as a thief, go out and loot, do whatever, murder people, do whatever you want to do. Um, you can be, you know, no, that doesn't fly with Christianity. Um, you cannot be a follower of Christ and just willfully, deliberately live for those things. Um, but we have to be patient with people, but but we cannot compromise. And it's just tragic to see, you know, the largest Lutheran church body, now the largest Methodist church body. I guess they've moved their, their meeting back to maybe August there in Minneapolis because of uh, COVID and so forth. But, um, I mean, what is happening when churches are beginning to celebrate sin? Um, oh, my goodness, son, we are living in some uh, very dark days, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, and like Martin Luther King Jr. learned it's hard to stand in your convictions and not waver without it costing you something. And I yeah. think sometimes that's the the price that we have to pay is stand standing in our convictions and not wavering from them, especially as a Christian, because yeah. uh, you know, you're gonna get pelted and it's gonna be a rough ride, but the reward, yeah. the payoff at the end, is gonna yeah. be definitely worth it. Dan, thanks so much. We appreciate the time as always. It goes by so quick. Uh, Looking forward to getting back there and, and doing some things with you in person. We've done this uh, several times uh, remotely via over the phone. And so uh, it's going to be fun to do some stuff in person and to, uh, and, uh, and just kind of see what happens uh, when we're back there in the uh, good old state of Nebraska.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to it, Sean. And uh, we'll, we'll pray and ask the Lord to give us some, some good discussions with some folks, uh, you know, when, when you're here next week, and uh, you know there's so many people out there with questions or struggles or concerns or fears, and so uh, I'm confident, you know, the Lord will allow us to uh, to have some some good uh, some good discussions, and and uh, you know, it's just it's just a blessing to be able to talk to people about you know God's love for them and, and God's word for them.
0: Dan Delzella, author at the Christian Post, uh, you can find his stuff there online, Christian Post, and then. um also, uh, Redeemer Church, right in Papillion.
1: Yes, yes, in Papillion. Yes,
0: and you can find and, stuff uh, there as well.
1: Yeah, I, and and on our Facebook uh, there, they would uh, they would find different video messages, uh, some that I have uh, that I have on there, and then uh also uh written you know a lot of articles at the christian post and so um you know folks would find those of interest i'm sure too yes
0: yeah, so if you want to find out more about dan you can go ahead and check those uh, resources out and and uh follow his uh readings and facebook and um and you get to just kind of see know more about him and uh and see what uh, he's all about dan we thank you again so much we appreciate it look forward to next week and um and, and until then, everybody else that's listening, thank you for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, oh, follow me on Instagram at Edom Rocks E I D E M R O C K S at Edom Rocks, where so you can find me on Instagram and you can uh, message me there, etc. Again, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.